You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. In the bulletins, you'll notice the notes for today, so I'm going to invite you to take those out and follow along as we kick off in this new series. And I do want to welcome those of you who are listening by podcast today as well. Hope that you'll get into a small group this semester and that you will engage with God's Word and turn in your uh, Riverside apps to the live event notes. So if you want to follow along there today, you can do that as well. So this morning, and as we begin these next six weeks, we're going to be looking at this series, Not a Fan, that's designed to stretch us and grow us from being fans to being fully devoted followers of Christ. And to do that, out of the gate today, we want to have the DTR talk. How many of you are familiar with the DTR talk? Okay, let me see your hands. What does the DTR stand for? Define the relationship. Anybody dating here? Let me see your hands. Anybody dating somebody? Let me see them. Boy, we're not too proud of that. Okay, here we go. Maybe, (laughs) possibly. Uh, Okay, when you're dating, you've got to define the relationship somehow. If you need some help with that, I'll be available afterwards. You can come help me. I'll help you define the relationship. But you got to do that. And I remember fall of 1991, I was at uh, college and I was just, you know, weekend dating here or there just a little bit, getting to know all the young ladies that were at the school and Then in January of 1992, I met this fiery redhead that just I was smitten with immediately. And uh, we quickly, in fact, the very first date that we went on, she didn't know this, but she was being interviewed. And uh, that's just how I roll. So I was doing the interview process, and she just thought, hey, we're out here on a double date. And I knew the ring size by the time we were done. That's how smitten I was. So I had to wait for a few months because... um, She was a junior in high school, and I was a sophomore in college. Jenna brings home a sophomore in college when she's a junior in high school. Heaven help the boy. But I I knew I was okay, so it was okay for me to do that, right? So uh, when you're a junior in high school, you you can't really, uh, with dad and mom, you really can't get engaged. So we did something that we called promised. We got promised. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, that's like I'm marking my territory, but I'm not fully engaged yet, okay? So I gave her the promise ring. That went on for several months, and then it came time for us to define the next stage of our relationship, and we got engaged. And that night, it was December the 5th, 1992, and uh, we, I took her to see Cats. The Broadway play was in our community there, so we uh, went and saw that. And then afterwards, we went up to Central Bible College, where... Donnie and uh, Bill both went to school. Neither one of us went to school there, incidentally. That's where we had met. It was on uh, uh, winter break, so we went to the campus, and it was real quiet, late at night, a little before midnight, and and, um, the snow was lightly falling. God had just, you know, it was a perfect spot there. It was awesome. There was a bench. I, I, you know, swept the snow off. She sat down. I got down on one knee, and we defined the relationship. I said, would you marry me? I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And she said, yeah, I'll think about it. No, I'm just kidding. She said, yes, right away. And so we drove home back to her place and I dropped her off. We told her parents. And then we, I went back to the college campus where I was uh, going to school. There was a local Christian radio station there by uh, the call letters uh, KADI. And uh, so I called in 
to the, to the radio station because I wanted everybody to know I have defined the relationship. And so I said, hey, could I, I just got engaged tonight, could I dedicate a song to my new fiance? And the lady on the line said, absolutely, what's the info? So she took it down and I sat there in my college room with my boom box and my tape in my boom box getting ready to record it. You guys remember what a boom box is? Yes, okay. So in there I go, I'm waiting for every commercial. Is she going? Is she going? I record, nope, rewind, record, nope, rewind. And finally, I caught it. And I got it on tape. And if you'll indulge me for about 10 seconds, I'd like to play for you what they said that night, the night that we defined our relationship. It's been transferred from tape to digital so that you can hear it. Could you give me some help back there and play that for us? KDI, this is going out to uh, Amy from David. Congratulations on your engagement tonight. Acapella. Define the relationship. Woohoo! You'll notice Amy's not in here. She's mortified about that whole story. But All right, so it's time for you and I to define our relationship with Jesus as well. And so we're going to do that throughout the morning. And the invitation that Christ gives us is like crystal clear. There's no doubt what he has in store and what he has in mind for us to begin to follow him. He gives this invitation to define the relationship in Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. We'll put it up on the screen for you, and let's take a look at it together. If anyone would come after me... He must, what is that next word? Deny. That's the challenge right there, isn't it? We've got to deny ourselves, take up his cross a couple times a year, once a week, maybe once a month. No, 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 unfortunately, it is daily. We take up our cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That's the definition of how Jesus defines our relationship with him. And most of us, we welcome the DTR talk. Maybe you've been around for a while and you're ready to have this defining conversation today. You'd like some real clarity around whether or not, you know what, I've been kind of checking it out and test driving it for a while. I'm ready to become a follower of Jesus. I don't want to just be a fan. I want to truly be a follower. But I acknowledge that there are others of you here this is your first week, and you're, you're like, man, I, I don't even know like, what you guys are doing, and you're ready to define the relationship. Take a breath. Take it easy. You don't have to do that. I went on one date back in college before I met Amy from a girl from another school, and she wanted to have the defining relationship talk the first night out. I'm like, whoa, we're defining this one. This isn't going to work. <laughs> Ran the other direction. So not looking for you if you're not ready today yet to do that to have to have that defining conversation. You can sit back, you can breathe easy. This is your first time here, you're newer to our environment, but for most of us, we need to have this define the relationship conversation. And we sometimes say, you know what? Maybe, maybe I've been here for a while, but I'm still not ready because I really like the arrangement that I have with Jesus. I like coming to church. It gives me something to do on Sundays. I love coming up to the mall. I get Starbucks on the way through. I can have that. I can eat up here. I can go shopping afterwards. And we love how we have the relationship with Jesus defined. But I think you'll find as we look through the scriptures, and certainly by that invitation in Luke 9, that the, that the invitation of Jesus is beyond just coming on a Sunday morning. And so we have to ask ourselves that question, where do we stand with the Lord Jesus Christ? And specifically, are you a fan or are you a follower of Jesus? And it's not my job to answer that for you. 
you're going to have to answer that. It's not my job to judge you on that subject matter. This is between you and your heavenly Father. My job today is to challenge you by asking you three questions that will help you to answer that question. Three questions that will help drive home and help you determine within yourself, are you a fan or are you a follower? Now, the word fan, we're going to use this definition, if we could put that up there. A fan is an enthusiastic admirer. Okay, can you say that with me? An enthusiastic admirer. One more time, an enthusiastic admirer. Now, we're all fans of something, aren't we? The Steelers, yes, we're fans of that. We, we go to the games, we cheer them on, we watch all the games, we have the paraphernalia, uh, we've got all the jerseys, we love cheering on our fans and our teams, and we have music you know, groups that we're fans of, we have shows that we're fans of, we're enthusiastic admirers. But our concern, and I believe we're going to see this, that it was also the concern of Christ, is that we would create an environment here or, or in Oakmont where we would create, if you would, a stadium full of fans and not fully devoted followers. Because the truth of the matter is that Jesus was never concerned about having fans. That was not the concerns of Christ. And if you define yourself as an enthusiastic admirer, then Jesus wasn't really, that wasn't important to him. And here's what happens if we're not careful. We have a tendency to come in week after week and be fans of Jesus. We can sit down and we can open up our bulletins and we can tear off our connection cards and we can fill those out and we can um, get into our seats and sing the songs and we can applaud at all the right times and we can um, know where to turn in the Bible and we can hear the message and we can watch what's going on and we get in the car and we evaluate the sermon, so how stupid was Kennard this morning, or how silly was he, or did he fall off the edge of the stage, uh, or you know, did Donnie blow the announcements, or did Trey sound like he was completely off-key, give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down? We can come and we can do that week after week, and we can evaluate with a scorecard, just like you know we do as fans of our sports teams. We can evaluate in the Monday morning quarterback chair as to everything that's happened. Some of us are really big fans. We really been at this a while. We know the Bible inside and out in terms of where to go and where to turn to. In fact, when I say Luke chapter 9, you know right where to go and you could look across the room and you could get there before anybody else. You could be an enormous fan of Jesus. You could be an enthusiastic admirer and it feels good to be an admirer of Christ. But again, Jesus never cared about having fans. So if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we've got to search our hearts and ask these three questions to really help us to unpack this today. The first one is in your notes, and it is simply, why am I here? Why am I here today, but not just here today, why am I in church in a general sense? Why do I come to this local body or to any local body of believers if you read through the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus, at different points in his ministry, and that's what we're going to be unpacking over these next several weeks, are the moments where Jesus says, you know what, the crowd's getting really big, I can see that I've got a lot of fans, and then what he does is he draws a line in the sand, and he says, are you going to be a fan, or are you going to be a follower? And Jesus, at the height of his ministry in John chapter 6, is one of those moments. And in the weeks to come, we're going to really unpack this text. We're just going to take a fly over, over the top of it today to just kind of get you to understand this concept of being a fan versus a follower. So let's take a look at it in John chapter 6. We'll read the first two verses. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore 
of the Sea of Galilee. That is the Sea of Tiberias. And notice this, a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Jesus was very, very popular. Says there that a great crowd of people were following him. He had fed the thousands. He had healed. He had done all kinds of different miracles, and they were pursuing him. They were going around, and it says that they were there because they saw the signs that he had performed. They were there for the miracles. They were there for the show. They were there for the spectacular and the miraculous. But they were not there necessarily for Jesus himself or his teachings or the life-changing message that he was offering. They were coming for the wrong reasons. And so Jesus challenges them to say, hey, really, seriously, why are you following me? Why are you behind me? Why are you here? And in doing so, he delineated between fans and followers because the message that he offered was challenging to them in that text. And so as you think about your answer to that question, again, let me ask you, why are you here? What is your because? If you were to say, I'm here because... And then you fill in the blank. Is it because of the amazing church coffee that we have out there? (laughs) Or it's the granola bars, right, that you get when you come in? It's obviously the preaching. I mean, I know that's why you're all here, right? That's what you'd all write down. Yeah, right. Uh, Is it the music? Is it the children's ministry? Is it the student ministry? Why is it that you're here? Those things are okay for a while, But at some point, we need to define the relationship between us and Jesus. And in this passage, Jesus challenges the crowd to go deeper and to follow him more closely and have that intimate relationship. And after he does this, look at these tragic words from verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples, what did they do? Are you awake? What did they do? They turned back one of the most heart-wrenching comments in the New Testament. They turned back and no longer followed him. They had God incarnate right in front of them. The creator, the rescuer, the redeemer, the one that offered them the freedom from the bondage and the captivity of of slavery, spiritually that they had been experiencing the whole of their lives, the one that they had been waiting generations and generations for. He challenges them to step up and follow him in deeper ways, and they say, no, thank you. Because what Jesus offered was not what they wanted. When he said, let's define the relationship, they said, no, thank you. And they went their own way. And with as much love as I have in my heart, as somebody who cares for you, who's been entrusted by God to shepherd you and to help you to grow in Christ, It's time to step up and to move from fan to follower for some of you, for many of you. If you come week after week and you just come in and you know some of the songs, maybe you know some of the verses and you're just sitting there week after week and nothing is changing within your core of who you are, today is your day. This is the season. This is your series to begin to change that, to begin to open your heart up so that you can truly follow Jesus like he's offered, like he's given us that opportunity. If you're coming more for the miraculous, then Jesus says, why come? If you're coming for the show, why come? 
So again, why are you here? What's your because? If it's other than anything, if it's anything other than a deeper relationship with Jesus, then perhaps it's time to define the relationship in a new and deeper way. Jesus, have you thought about him? Why does he show up? If he were to show up here today physically in the flesh with us, you think he'd show for the coffee? You think he'd come to hear somebody else preach? Or you think he'd come to just worship? I think he'd come for those, some of those reasons and that'd be okay. But I think ultimately he would come because he wants to have a deep relationship with you and with you and with you. Even you and you. He wants to have a deep relationship with each one of you personally. And he's on his end defined his end of the relationship. And so we have to ask ourselves, why am I here? We also ask ourselves, am I all in? Because followers of Jesus are all in. Being a follower of Christ requires an intentional commitment, a complete commitment. A follower of Jesus will do anything it takes to follow Jesus, even when it's hard. They're absolutely loyal, and they're completely committed. And on a whole, we don't do too well with wholehearted, complete commitment, absolute commitment, do we, as a society? We kind of are in it for as long as we feel like we're in it, and then we kind of go and we do our own thing. Right? I mean, you sign up for the cable company, and then something better comes along. And Are you absolutely committed to your cable company? How about your internet service provider? How many of you have changed your cell phone company in the last year? Yeah, you'll look for the better deal. And there's not this long-term, you know what? I am so committed to Comcast. I am going to be with them for life. We just don't talk like that in our relationships it's a lot like that as well, far too often. In our workplaces, hey, I'm going to be of this company until something better comes along, or this or that or the other. We apply that to our faith. We prefer selective commitment, what has been called customized Christianity. Yeah, you know, like I'll go to the smorgasbord of, of, of religion and say, you know what, I kind of like this about what Jesus said, and I kind of like that. Fans sound a lot like this. I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to kind of pick and choose exactly the areas that I want to obey him in. I'll follow Jesus, but don't ask me to forgive that person. Don't ask me to let go of that resentment. I'm not going to let go of that bitterness. I deserve that. A fan sounds like this. I'll follow Jesus, but don't talk to me about my money. That's my money. I worked hard. I earned it. He's got nothing to do with it. A fan of Jesus says, I'll follow Christ, but don't tell me to abstain from these sexual desires. I can't help the fact that I have these desires. Don't ask me to abstain. I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm going to get what I need and what I deserve as it relates to my sexuality. A fan says, I'll follow Jesus, but only in the areas that are comfortable, only in the areas that I agree with. I'm a Christian, but I'm not all in. And again, as somebody who genuinely, deeply cares about your spiritual growth and your walk with Christ, if those are the things that go around in your head, if those are the things that you say, then can I humbly submit and challenge you with the fact that those things are not said 
by followers. Those things are said by fans. And if you're saying those things, then perhaps it's time to change and become a fully devoted follower and not just a fan. Jesus draws a line and he says, if you're going to come after me, it's no bargaining. There is no finagling. There is no bartering. There is no option of selective commitment. It is not a possibility. When you decide to become a follower of Jesus, you've got to go all in. There's just no other way. And in our Western culture, again, we like, you know, I kind of take some some of that over there, and I kind of like some of that over there, but the broccoli, nope, not taking that, and the celery over here, definitely not going to take that. I want some, uh, you know, macaroni and cheese, and I want some rolls, and I want some of this over here, and I go to the buffet, and we'll just pick and choose what we like. Doesn't work that way with God. Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Fans don't like personal sacrifice. Fans don't want to deny themselves. Fans don't want to die a death every single day. So we have to ask ourselves, are we all in? And if you've answered the why question, if you've answered why you're here, and if it wasn't for the right reasons... If you weren't here to get closer to Jesus deeply inside, then it's probably going to be pretty obvious that you're not all in. But today's the day that that can change. When you've answered those two questions, you've got one more to go. And that was simply, have I made my faith my own? Many of us started going to church because our parents took us. Let me see your hands if that's your story. Yep. I grew up in that environment. I went because my parents went. And I loved God, and I was a fan of Jesus, and I didn't have those, that terminology at the time, but I certainly was there, and I was cheering it on, and I knew every verse, and I knew all the songs that Andre Crouch wrote. He, he just passed away. I knew all those people that, that wrote those songs. I knew all of that. I could quote Bible verses, but I remember very distinctly, though having been walking in a context of following Jesus, I remember the second that it became my own. I remember the moment where I owned my own faith, where I stopped doing it and being a part of the kingdom of God because of my parents, and I owned it for myself. I couldn't ride on their coattails any longer. Some of us come because of a boyfriend or because of a girlfriend or maybe because our spouse wants us to come. It makes the relationship a little bit better, so you come every week, and you're a part of it, and you're trying to appease somebody else. For those of us who grew up in church or we attend church because it it appeases somebody else, then it's a very good chance that if we're not careful, we'll be fans of Jesus and not followers. It's very easy to get into the flow of things when you come to appease somebody else. We know the songs, we recognize the stories, we're kind of fans of Jesus, but that can be the most difficult and most dangerous place for us to be because we don't realize that we're not true followers. We simply think we're in, but we're only fans. And we might be fair-weather fans at that. Hey, when things are great, when life's up, I'm all in. But hey, the tough times are coming. And if you don't have that solid foundation, you'll discover really quickly if you're a fan or if you're a follower. And if your faith isn't your own, 
If, you're, if you aren't pursuing a relationship with Jesus and you keep coming week after week and begin to create a faith that was really somebody else's in the first place, you're just numbing yourself to the real thing. You become numb to the real faith. You'll become comfortable with a few songs and a few favorite verses, none of which requires personal sacrifice or personal change. So you and I, we have to own our own faith. And I can't do that for you. You and only you can do that. Jesus isn't looking for a relationship with your mom and you. He's not interested in a relationship between you and your dad and him. He didn't die on a criminal's cross in your place and mine so that you could have a relationship with your spouse and him. He came to have a relationship with you, intimate connection with the creator of the universe. That's what he longs for. That's how he defines the relationship. That's what he invites us into. This isn't about anybody else but you and your heavenly Father and your relationship with Christ. That may be one of the reasons why Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Tough things that Jesus says, drawing a line in the sand to say, are you in this for somebody else or are you in this just for you? You have to answer those questions today. Why are you here? Are you all in? And have you made your faith your own? Have you owned it? Nobody else, again, can answer this for you but you. We're going to wrap this up with a video. And as we do this, I want to just give you the context for this. The video that you're going to see is Lou and Heidi Cerventi. They're two of our small group leaders that have led divorce care in the past, and now they're currently going to be leading one of our groups that's not a fan for the first six weeks and then a couples group after that. Lou and Heidi sat down with me just a couple of months ago to record this video, and uh, what we want to do is we want to just help you to think and to pray, and now would be the time to pull out that, that stretch um, catalog and say, God, where do you want me to be connected with somebody else this semester? Take a look at their story as they let us into their journey and listen to how God has worked in their lives over the course of time and the family that they found at Riverside. Then I'll come back, we'll conclude, and you can head to the tables. When I came to Riverside, um, I was looking for a place. Um, I was going to a small church but I was not feeling enriched. Um, so I needed something to liven me up. Then a friend introduced me to Riverside. Uh, I went to, I came, and it just seemed like everybody was open to meeting you, and they showed the love right away. And it just felt comfortable to be here. As I continued to come, I decided that I was feeling very comfortable, and it actually felt like I belonged here. So, in the weeks that flowed beyond, I just continued to grow in my love for God and, and also for the people here, the community. It was just a family. 
It's very much a family here, and it continues to be that way. I came in January of 2011, and one of the first things I actually did was come to one of the baptisms. Uh, from the baptism, I realized that I needed to do that, and the very next time that Riverside had held the baptisms, that's when Donnie baptized me. And wow, what a relief. I mean, just to know that um, I was allowing God into the center of my heart again. And that just, it was, things just opened up for me. And then in the fall, the men's group uh, from small groups opened up. And that's when I joined. And the togetherness of the men's group is just outstanding. I mean, there's a core group of people that just know that they can go to each other. You know, they can say, I love you to each other, hug each other, and just know that they are one with each other. I was very broken. I was looking for a church home. Um, going through a divorce, it was the pitfall of my life. I was in a lot of pain, hurting. I was in a Christian marriage. Didn't expect that to happen. Didn't expect it to fall apart. Um, I thought my ex-husband would fight for the marriage. Evidently, he didn't. Um, so, uh, how to look for another church? That since I had a church of 17, 18 years prior, I, I wasn't really accepted there anymore. So I had to look for a church, and we did have a mutual friend that recommended it. I mean, I've lived in Oakmont for oh, now it's 20 years, and I've driven past Riverside all these years, and I never thought to come in the door. But they she recommended that I come, and just like he said, you feel the love. Lori Lassoon's love, my goodness. So you can feel her wrap her arms around you. Um, and I was just sucked in by that love. I felt like I belonged, that I wasn't, uh, didn't have a label on my myself that, oh, she's going through divorce or she is divorced. I felt accepted. Um, and uh, from there, it just joining small groups, one after the other, Lord, listen again, <laughs> brought me into that, um, you know, said you need to do this, you need to do that, got me on the connection team, you know, getting more involved, and you could feel the family and the love. And I found out there are so many people like us that are, have gone through the trials sure. and the issues and the pain, and it's, um, it's not fun, and we can relate to one another, and that's why now. That's how we, so we've known each other beforehand, but then when we both started coming here, we started connecting on a different level right. through God, and it was, it was awesome. Yeah, definitely. We actually knew each other from the past, from work. Um, you know, she knew some of my issues, but, uh, and she um, was having problems herself. She recommended going to divorce care, um, which we now um, go, we, we are now the um, facilitators of divorce care here at Riverside, and it's just, since being here, we, the family orientation just helped us build a relationship together. Watching him grow through God has been amazing. I, I've known him probably over now 12, 15 years. I know I knew where he came from and where he is now, and he's a different man. <laughs> I wouldn't have married him otherwise. <laughs> Just watching him grow in the Lord.
just touched my heart and I knew that I needed to step it up as well. He pushed me along because I knew as I was in the dark, deep uh, trenches because of my divorce and I knew I got to get out of this. I got to step it up because I can't live like this much more. I've got to give it all to God again because um, I, I, I felt like I failed. I felt like I failed God because of my, my Christian marriage just fell apart. Then I watched him and just he gave it all to God. Everything, the faith, the love, no, he never, he never looked back. And I'm like, I, I need to get back to where he is. And he pushed me along, and uh, it's been great. <laughs> well, what I would hope for somebody listening to this story is that, yeah, you're going to go through hard times, but if you open your heart up to God, He's going to carry you. Actually, the footsteps in the sand are His carrying you. He will get you through it, and you'll have a, a much better life as you go move forward with His love and His strength. And it'll give you the strength to move more as a follower and not just as a, you know, a believer or a fan. Yeah. And I like to add when you know you look at this video, small groups they're the key and they're the heart of Riverside just coming to Sunday morning and sitting in the pew isn't going to do it for you you really have to get involved you have to dive in and meet new people there's so many wonderful loving Riverside people that you don't even know exist they're they're hidden in the corners but in, in order to go to you know to this in order to expand on your faith in following Christ you need to meet these people and the only way that you can do that is go to small groups and I've met so many wonderful, loving people through Riverside. And it's, there are people that you can lean on. And just speaking for the men's group, um, Lou has such a, a core group of men that he loves and speaks about all the time. And I, I see him texting all the time on his phone. I'm like, who are you texting? He's texting all the guys. And there really is a loving bond there. And it, it's, it's wonderful to see. Shortly after we shot that video, Heidi was diagnosed with cancer, and uh, they walked, the groups that they've been a part of walked with them through that diagnosis and through the process of the, all the procedures that had to be done, and Lou just told me this morning that uh, she's cancer-free and that they've been able to walk through that, so praise God for that. Thank you, Lou, for sharing that. I appreciate you show, so much sharing your story, and uh, those of you who've been in groups, you know the power of it, and you know that we weren't designed to do this alone, and what I can tell you is when they were shooting that video, all was well. They had no idea anything was coming. Life can turn on a dime, and you don't want to be alone when that happens. Many of you have got a family that will support you and help you, but so many of us don't. This is the family that God had in mind for us, that when we find ourselves down and out, we were created the DNA stamped within us is our need for other people. And everything in our society pushes back at that. Jesus invites us into relationship with him, and then we follow him together with others. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come back, and we're going to conclude with a song. Again, you can uh, just, if you would, bow your hearts with me, and I want to pray for us. And I want you just to consider as we pray those questions. 
and how you're answering them today. Maybe you would have answered them differently six months ago. That really doesn't matter. Today is what matters. So the past is the past. You can receive forgiveness for whatever is in your past, and you can begin to follow Jesus today. He doesn't ask you to come to him and have all the answers. He doesn't ask you to come to him and be perfect. He says, I want you to come and offer all of yourself daily, die to you, deny yourself, and follow me. So again, with our heads bowed and just you and Jesus, why are you here? Are you all in? And have you made your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ your own? Today is the decision time to begin to define the relationship, to be clear about your side of it. Jesus made it clear when he stretched his arms out on a cruel cross and said, I'll go in their place. And suspended between heaven and earth, he said, it is finished. We have full access to the God who loves us and wants to have a relationship personally with each one of us. So Lord, you know the condition of every person in this place. Those that are listening by podcast, you know exactly where they're at today. Would you help them today to begin on their end to clearly define the relationship with you. If they've been coming for the wrong reasons, something other than to have a relationship with you, would you begin to help them to transition to having an intentional relationship that's dependent upon you? If they're coming for somebody else, just to appease a family member or somebody that they're dating or somebody that they're in relationship with, just to impress or appease Would you help them to begin to make that faith their own? Lord, I pray for those that say they follow you, but they're not all in yet. Would you help them to have the realization that that's more like a fan than it is a follower? And would you help them to begin to open themselves up to full commitment, wholehearted devotion, 100% all in with you. Would you seal this work by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit? As we declare in this next song, would you help us to truly mean the words, I have decided to follow Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www dot riversideconnect dot org